Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of Ukraine, civilians escaping the fighting in Bakhmut. I'm Greg Dixon. More than eight months of continuous fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces has left the eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut in ruins. But the Red Cross reports about 10,000 civilians are still there. NPR's Eleanor Beardsley reports on one effort to help get them out. We arrive at a kindergarten in the town of Konstantinivka, about 18 miles from Bakhmut. It's just been turned into a center for displaced civilians. Hello, sweeties, come in. Do you want tea? asks 61-year-old Lubov. She's afraid to give her last name lest the Russians come after her. She shows me pictures on her cell phone of her 10 kittens and neat brick house she left behind last October and since destroyed by Russian artillery. Now she's renting an apartment in town with two friends. She works at the shelter to forget her sorrows. Lubov says only those who've lived through this can help the new arrivals. Everyone comes here with his own story of misery and pain, but you can't cry and sympathize with them too much. We speak sternly, focus on the here and now so they don't fall apart. David Tagliani is an EMT from Seattle who's been in Ukraine since the start of the war. He works with a group called Stay Safe Ukraine that's setting up the new shelter. He says when they try to get people to leave towns near the front line, they always say the same thing. I have lived in this little village my entire life. I've never stepped foot outside it. Why would I go to Kharkiv or Kramatorsk or Kiev? I don't know anybody there. That inspired this temporary shelter close to Bakhmut to give people the chance to sleep and think clearly. They can recharge cell phones that have been dead for months due to lack of electricity to let family know they're still alive. The shelter has, you know, food, bunk beds, uh, clothing, the whole nine yards, and internet. Thank you. 64-year-old Oleksandr Nabulin arrived here five days ago after two of his three dogs were killed by shell fire. He brought the third with him. The shelter accepts pets. He says it's taken him days to calm down. Being shot at by tanks is a huge psychological strain. For days, I've lived in a dugout I set up under my house. President Biden He says he's thankful to the support from President Biden and calls the Russians barbarians. Fifty-four-year-old Natasha, who doesn't want to share her last name, just got out of Bakhmut. I held on until the very end. All of our shops were bombed. A plane flew over my house at three in the morning. Everything was shaking. We thought it was the end. She says if the Russians get past Bakhmut, they will advance in all directions. People here talk about the hundreds of soldiers' unclaimed bodies now starting to decompose as the weather warms. 
Volunteers arrive with sacks of potatoes and boxes of clothing sent from Germany. 55-year-old Alexei is helping unload. He came from Bakhmut with his 79-year-old mother. He says the winter was terrible. We had a wood-burning stove, so we were okay, but other people froze to death. Oleksii says they were able to get water at a spring until the Russians shelled them there. He says five of his neighbors went to get water and never came back. We made soup with rainwater, he says. As artillery rumbles in the distance, I ask what he thinks about President Vladimir Putin's claim of protecting Russian speakers in eastern Ukraine. He's killing Russian speakers. I don't understand what we did to Putin that he treats us like this. All our lives we were taught that Ukrainians and Russians are brothers. These people say before the war, many in Bakhmut felt close to Russia, but no longer. We lived normally, says Natasha. Everything was calm and fine. What did we need protection from? Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Konstantinivka. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.